Podcast. All right, it's been a while. I had a kid. His name is Leon, by the way. Send all your hate letters to Vardy's office, please, for that name selection. I what? I'm just saying. Hey, <laughs> I'm I just saying. Your three-year-old there's a like lot of one. sensitive Kings fans out there <laughs> about the name Leon, and. Since we're the yeah, band, but I had nothing just, to do. I, I know. I I'm just redirecting. I'm just redirecting the hate to your office. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I guess just just in time for the Kings to start questioning why I would bring another child into a world where they exist. Yeah. This is you're, Caro. You're, How are you tonight, Vardy? I mean, I'm I'm considering calling CPS on you right now for those reasons, know, but you know, I wouldn't blame you. To be luckily. Luckily, he has he's not aware of the Kings yet, so that's a big plus. Maybe he will be in a few years, maybe not. But depending I mean, on I how thought you told me he bit. has, he, I, I thought you were telling me he has horrific gas and diarrhea problems. So it seems like he's he's falling along real nicely these days. Maybe, yeah, maybe it is that. Maybe, maybe it is he, that. you don't. I I don't think you're giving him enough credit, man. He did I poop think... a couple of times during the. During this road trip, so and so did the Kings. It's yes. it's all it's all tied in. You got a you got a you got a little you know savant there, buddy. You got a hockey mind. It's all very exciting, <laughs> man. You know, when you take a step back and look at it, so we haven't done an episode since the coaching change. Yes, pre and, uh, our last game that we covered was pre All Star break. It was yes. just after the Nashville win, which we speculated may actually no, 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 no. It was it was it was uh, after the Nashville win. After the but firing. after Todd's firing and yes. after hiring of Jim Hiller, but before the first Jim Hiller game, which was the Oilers four zero win, which we were in attendance for. All right, thank there you. There you for go. There's your there's your recap. Is are very fuzzy right now. I don't even know what yes. time it is. I don't know what day it that's is. That's right. But if you take a step back and look at everything that's happened since Jim Hiller took over, it doesn't on paper look too bad. Mm-hmm. But my biggest problem with this team right now is that just when it looks like, almost every time, just when it looks like they've turned the corner, or just when it looks like the momentum is starting to build, something, mostly a game and a loss, happens to halt that and to make me question whether or not this team has the makeup to make any kind of noise in the playoffs. And on days like this, I question if they will make the playoffs for various reasons, injuries included, obviously we'll get into that, but that's my main thing, man. Like they, so they beat Edmonton and I felt like, okay, like that's the a kind of a season changing turning corner type game. Your rival at home, shut them out after a coaching change. We talked about how well it lines up for the Kings to kind of change the pace, change the trajectory of their season. They play well enough. Uh, people will tell you they didn't play that well, whatever they won for nothing. And they beat the Oilers. who are just coming off a 16 game winning streak. Okay. I'll take that as a good game. But then they go into Buffalo and uh, that game, man, it just shows you that on any given night, things can go bad for this team. And even though after that, they pull together four straight wins, they go and play like a lifeless game against Nashville 
And that's just one of the things I'm talking about where it's like, okay, you win four in a row, you got Nashville at home, you're battling with them for a wild card position. That's got to be a game you come up for. And it seemed like the players didn't have answers for why they played that way either. They beat Anaheim in a squeaker. It was an ugly game. And then now they've lost two in Alberta. So even with the changes, the positive changes, they're still running hot and cold. And I'm deeply concerned about the stretch run, given the main topic we're going to cover probably is the injuries. Yeah, I think that's a good summarization of of how the the 10 games so far have gone under Jim Hiller. Six and four record through that period of time. Um, and really, I, I know the narrative has been the uh, positive vibes that he brings, the difference in coaching tactics, the difference in approach to the game, um, even just in-game, the 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 line you can't even call it a line blender because that would imply that there was a solid line to begin with i feel like he's just been experimenting for a lot of the time out there trying to figure out what else can he kind of generate from this team from this offense um different pairings different guys in and out of the lineup again Kaliev back in the lineup obviously some of that injury based as we discussed um and in fairness to him it hasn't been easy because as a first-time head coach, he is now dealing with the brunt of these injuries that I think the Kings have kind of been fortunate enough not really to have. I mean, the Arvidsson injury kind of loomed large, and Copley went down, but they had Riddick available to come in. But now, in a very short period of time, he's lost Arvidsson again after having him back for a few games. Grundstrom again, another very hot and cold bottom six player, but at least one that you knew you could consistently have in the lineup. And obviously the most significant one being now Adrian Kempe's injury, which looks very, very, you know, open-ended as to how bad it can be. And not for nothing, losing Mikey Anderson a couple of games ago too. So that's, that is a very quick succession of multiple injuries now for a first-time head coach with this team that is still struggling to find consistency, identity, direction, focus, whatever you want to call it. It's just not there. It hasn't been there since December. It hasn't been there in McClellan's tenure during that bad run. And I think they got a little bit of that new coach bump, you know, the, the fresh coat of paint to them, if you will, for a few games. But even in, in between there, you had that horrific effort in Buffalo. I don't know what's... I don't know how to fix what's going on with this team. And more and more with every game, I'm getting the sense that perhaps it's not fixable. Certainly, I'm I'm convinced at this point that it's not mid-season fixable. They may have enough under their belt right now with points and a soft enough schedule going forward where, where, yeah, odds are pretty good that they'll make a playoff spot. But they are just, they're a cupcake first-round matchup, dude. If you're any other team in the West, you're dying for the chance to play these guys in the first round because that should be a very easy matchup for you. That's how I see it. I will say it all depends on the health of the team. 
in that situation. And and that's if top to bottom this team is healthy and they make a wild card spot. I'm trying to think which but what team... do you think the ceiling is? But what do you think no, the ceiling right, is? For no, a team I agree. Like that? It's at max if they get if they catch oh, one of these top teams, right? One of these division winners. Just give them a tough series. Maybe they they're get past the first round, but they're out in the second. I think there's no doubt about that. Well, I mean that's a crazy statement to say, but but most likely they're out in the second. Right. If you look at the likely scenarios, okay, you're either getting Vancouver. If you're if you're a wild card, or you're getting likely Dallas or Winnipeg, if you're one of the other wild card spots, right? If you squeak in, say Vegas falls off, somehow you squeak into second or third in there, you're probably getting Edmonton. Do any of those sound like a matchup that you feel confident, even with a fully healthy roster, that no, this team is going to be able to win in seven? Because you didn't even mention Colorado was two points out of first. I, again, I didn't. <laughs> that's okay i would i i think i would i would take winnipeg this is just pick your poison your when oh sure here. okay yeah. fine yeah and vancouver the other dallas colorado edmonton even vegas that just sounds like you're out in the first round right no matter like Healthy or not, I'm talking about a full health team is probably out in the first round. I don't want any part of those guys. And I think even with Vancouver, you're hoping that their their regular season performance isn't. You're hoping on inexperience. That's what it comes. Yes, down. that's that's like, what I that's mean. That's a like, young team. They've as a group, they haven't made made the playoffs. Right. Individually, they're so young. I don't know who has. Right. You're hoping you can catch them off guard. Yeah, in the you're seven hoping. Game series. You're hoping. All that nonsense about built for the playoffs, which I, I'm, I don't think I believe this team is built for the playoffs. I think they're built with the hope of being a tough out in the playoffs, but the way they're playing right now, just they don't seem like a nightmare playoff matchup. But healthy, right, with Arvidsson, with Kempe, with everyone in, I don't know what deadline deals they do. We could talk about possibilities, but... I think they would give two of those teams a scare. But outside of that, man, I've, those other teams, the Colorados in them, I don't want any part of that with, right. you know, the flaws that the Kings have. Right. Very flawed. And there are many. Very They're very flawed. And we can get yeah. into that a little bit. I mean, we can go, we can go position by position if you want. I would say the goaltending is okay. I say, I think Dave Riddick does well enough. I think Cam Talbot has been a little bit better since the All-Star break, although tonight against Calgary, that third goal was... It's a bad goal. That's a goal that cannot go in in that situation of the game, no matter how the team in front of you is playing. And there's been games like that. There's been goals like that. There's been very just absolutely deflating goals and this now kind of goes back to last season's question of well do they run one goalie consistently in the playoffs do they do they try cycling in the in the playoff matchup i don't know but um 
I think they're okay in the goaltending position, and I certainly don't think that there's anything out there that I would want them trading pieces for like they attempted to do last year with Corpusalo that would be a significant enough upgrade that I would do it. So these Marc-Andre Fleury rumors or whatever you want to call them, even though the guy is saying that he's not going to waive his no-trade clause, um, that would just be... A, 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 you might as well just go throw money in the in the ocean. I I think that's just such a dumb move to make. Absolutely. And that's the that's the problem they face is that with the cap room they have, and now obviously LTIR is going to be tricky with Kempe. We don't know what's going on with them. But right. with the cap room they have, you can't even afford to bring in a true difference-making goaltender. That's the problem. Right. So right. if you're going to go, you know, bargain bin shopping for a goaltender again, why bother? Why bother do it when you already have two of those guys healthy and playing? Right. Because right. I think they're banking on Flurry's playoff experience from a decade ago as as some sort of <laughs> Okay, but what's his contract? Yeah, I don't know. Right? It's I, don't know. I can look it up. I'm curious if you could you're quick with sure. these things. I got it in front of me. But it, potentially that means you have to move money out to bring in Marc Andre Fleury too. Yeah, Unless Minnesota's going to retain fifty. I don't know, but uh, three point five. Okay, so yeah, let's let's say LTIR gives you enough room to do that. Is there worth yeah. using that cushion for that position? Yeah, over over anything else. Granted, I mean you have so many holes on this team. Yeah, over a defenseman. Yeah, I, no, definitely over a in, in my mind. Right in my mind, when I look at this team, oddly enough despite the fact that they're spending pennies on goaltending, I don't feel like that's the, if I had to pick one thing to improve on, goaltending would be not my choice, interestingly enough. I agree. Again, only if hypothetically you could bring in a true difference-making goaltender, but you can't because those guys are on big ticket contracts, most of them. So I don't right. know who you're shopping for. You're shopping for a Hail Mary goaltender to maybe do something different. But again, like you said, man, is the goaltending costing you games right now? Yeah, and I don't think it I, is. I don't think so. Even today with that muffin on, on Talbot, like the Kings were dominated today. They they had nothing going yeah. on in the first period. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I would prefer if there's going to be this discussion yet again because there is going to be this discussion yet again about goaltending you address it in the summer i think that's a summer problem i think you go back and you look again at guys like vimelka or if soros is actually there or not there i don't know i think that's a summer issue i think to give up assets right now in the hopes that you're somehow going to have one less goal a game with a different goaltender hypothetically speaking I still don't think that that buys you enough to win against the type of competition that you're going to be up against. So I would punt that, and I would make that a summer project to use. I, the I, I agree. I agree. If I could upgrade on England, I would. If I could, mm -hmm. I don't know, get him maybe a decent middle six winger, I would. Maybe. I don't know. But right. other than that, man, I don't. I really don't yeah. know. And then there's I mean, a whole other part of it too is like 
by the time the deadline comes around, where are you in the yes. standings? That's another conversation. Although I believe they'll be okay. They'll be I, I either, think they'll be okay. Yeah, they'll be in the wild card, I'm guessing. Yeah. I think they'll be okay and they have enough cushion. And again, I've looked at the schedule and you probably have two. April's got a lot of winnable points, a few Ducks games, a few Chicago games in there. Yeah. I think if you believe the statistics that project out, odds are still pretty good for them being in a wild card spot, especially if they rattle off another run like they did of, you know, four wins here and there randomly. Um, so I think, but that's, that's also, this is kind of the fallacy of it. This is because they're going to look at this and I, I, you have to kind of put yourself in the mindset of Rob Blake in this scenario of a guy who has now gone through three different head coaches, likely realizes that his job is on the line here too. And you're kind of getting back into that end stage Dean Lombardi era of throw everything at the wall, see what sticks, because you know that if you get fired in June, it doesn't matter to you anyway. Someone else's and, problem. Right, it's someone else's problem, which is this her which is this terrible position to be in as a team and as a fan of a team and an organization, because even if he might be gone as a GM, you'll be dealing with the repercussions of their actions for many, many seasons. And we're already going to be dealing with many, many repercussions. The PL Dubois aspects of things, not being the most obvious one of them, but I hope I I, I hope that that doesn't lead to rash decisions and movement of what little assets the Kings still have, what little draft capital the Kings still have. But logically, if I think about it from the standpoint of GM trying to save his job and, you know, he thinks that if he can get this team to a second round matchup or something like that, that that might be enough to keep him in this position. I'm bracing myself for the absolute worst, if I'm being honest. Because he may actually have LTIR room to add someone, and then he's going to feel really, really tempted to do something to keep this thing going. And that's the thing. It's almost certainly going to be a rental. Yep. So it's, it's not even going to be a player with term that you can say, okay, well, we're this is not just for this little stretch run here, but also next season we're making upgrades for the future. Right. Certainly right. he can make a hockey trade. I just don't see, I just don't see anything right now that would be available to him unless he gets somehow juicy sorrows. But again, you're going to have to move money out. And the I only mean, money and, you and to you'd have to move a ton of assets for that, man. You have to... that too. I mean, that too. Have... yeah. And I think they only have a first rounder. So I don't even think they have picks in two and three, if I'm not mistaken. I got to double check that. Uh, maybe not this year, but maybe, future and, stuff. Right. But I mean, at the deadline, usually you want quick return. Right. right. So, yeah, they have a first this year. Nothing in two, nothing in three. They've got a fourth, a sixth, and a seventh. And then next year, they've got all their picks. So you can do a first and a second something like that if they really wanted to that's the thing man you squeeze in sorrows now let's say with your ltir relief you somehow sure. make it work next year you're facing a whole new slew of problems matt roy's certainly walking at that point it's not even and and not for nothing man nashville 
is still very much in the hunt. in a wild card spot. I mean, I I don't know why they would trade Soros right now. So you'd be more likely to look at like a guy like Vamelka from Arizona or something like that because they've actually got Connor Ingram who's playing well, who can take over, and that's a cheaper option. But is that an improvement at this time for you? If you're looking at upgrade Vimelka, because you is think, he an improvement? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Well, I'm asking, is he an improvement going into the playoffs? If you're doing this because you want like a guy who's going to give you some playoff yeah, that's stability. A, you're rolling the dice. Right. You're going with a guy who's never played a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, you're guessing. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. So I, I think what options are out there and, you know, and Dennis Burstein brought up Toffoli, who I could, I can certainly see them thinking of that if New Jersey's going to blow this up. But again, they're very much on the bubble. That makes no sense good. to me. Why would New Jersey trade them? They wouldn't unless they were done, unless they were giving up. But I don't think they are going to give up. But but they're also in the market for like a goalie and, and they've been linked to Markstrom. Correct. So it's like it's all very confusing. Those two things don't jive with each other. Right. It's all very confusing. Then you got guys like Gensel, but he's hurt. And right. so is that is that really an improvement? And then you're getting down into like the Jason Zuckers of the world. Does that help you in any way? Does Jason Zucker move the needle enough for you're gonna actually like go after a guy like that? I mean I I'm just not seeing something here that really impresses me, but that doesn't mean that something's not gonna happen and that it's not gonna be a desperation move from a desperate GM who's now been dealt additional severe blows to his roster in the form of potentially long-term injuries that's that's just bad luck some of this yes is, is problems of his own making but that's just bad luck that's now multiplying the problems three seasons in a row this yeah. has happened to the kings in yeah. february and march if you remember 21 22 they they played the series without arvidson and dowdy mm-hmm um, yep. There, I think there was more, and and I'm just forgetting who. Um, and then last season they down the stretch didn't have Fiala, Velarde, Mikey Anderson, Blake Lazat. Right. They all slowly got activated by, and they were all in by game four, I believe. Right. Right. So that's two. This is now three seasons in a row, where you're looking at significant players missing time during crunch time. And you could argue that that happens. That happens to every team. Some of them are fortunate not, enough that I, these guys. I haven't seen many with like multiples like this. That's well, the certainly thing to, not to key players. Yeah. Looking at New Jersey, by the way, they their current cap space is nine million. With Dougie Hamilton on LTIR. With Hamilton on LTIR, yes. Yeah. And I haven't heard any kind of timetable for his return. So again, it might be a the reason I brought it up. I thought they might have to move off of Toffoli just to fit gotcha. Mars, Mark's Marks. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And I don't not necessarily sending Toffoli to Calgary again. Sure, sure, sure. And why would Calgary want Toffoli anyway? If Calgary is really at the point where they're bailing on Markstrom and they're calling it, but right, again, wins like to, this. Yeah, they have wins to trade like Hannison. this. Yeah, but a win like this. And now they're suddenly because this is the other interesting, right? They they get rid of Elias Lindholm, they get rid of Nikita Zadorov, and they're doing better now than they were with those guys. And so now all of a sudden, Craig Conroy's thinking to himself, maybe maybe we ride this out. A lot can happen between now and March eighth, and 
maybe he doesn't have to go full nuclear, blow it all up, trade the Chris Tanevs of the world or whatever. I don't know, man. That, that's I don't know. different because those guys have told him we're not signing here. Maybe. Maybe so. And he's also he's also in a different position as a first year GM and he's got a little more room to kind of blow it up and no one's gonna judge him differently for it. Yeah. It's it's tough, man. And also it's all tough, this and... like another thing with the Kings, man. How long is Kempe out? That's so important to me. Right. I mean, I'll tell you, him having to head back and get an MRI Not good. <laughs> doesn't <Yeah>. bode well. <laughs> Give it to me straight, Doc. What's, <laughs> what's happening? I mean, it depends, man. It depends. The way he fell, it could have been a forearm. It could have been a shoulder. Certainly the way he was kind of cradling his left arm. That's. Do you remember when Anson Carter dislocated his shoulder? It's that's the classic way they hold it. It's kind of like internally rotated and like this, and that's immediately how he was holding it. So it's either that or an elbow that got dislocated or some sort of a bad sprain for how his hand landed underneath him. Because there's no other reason to get an MRI. If you're doing an MRI, you're looking for ligament damage. Right. It's not a so, break. No. If it's a break, that's going to show up on a plain X-ray. Right. And I'm not saying there can't be a break, but what they're concerned about is that there's more than that. And that's where the MRI is kind of coming in for him. So I would estimate that if that actually comes back and is the case or is a dislocated shoulder, you're you're talking at least four to six weeks for that to kind of be back to where you want it to be if it's a first-time dislocation. That's not too bad. Like it's not. just given given the circumstances, like yeah. Because what I was trying to say is if he's out for the season. Oh, well, that's like if, and that's it, that's the worst case scenario. If it's right. a labral tear and he's got to get that surgerized, that's, yeah. So that's my question is if he's out for the season, yeah. does that not change the way you approach everything? <laughs> Wouldn't it? Like if I'm the GM it, and I'm it like, does, okay, but so how I'm do you... not going to have Kempe game yeah. one of the playoffs. Yeah. Do I, like, am I going to now be a buyer to that degree? Like a desperate buyer i don't i don't know man but then again it depends the other side of it is, is rob blake if he knows this is it for me can't pay or not this is it for me i think that's the more important yeah that's the more important mindset i think can't pay or not he thinks this might be it for me if if it's another first round exit especially with the coaching changes and things and the huge deal he swung for pl over the summer i think he set himself up for Great success or great failure. And if he's losing Kempe as well, I think he's more than likely going to put all his money in and double down and try to like salvage this, which is going to be really bad. Really, yeah. really bad. I don't see any good scenarios coming out of that. No. So Arvidsson and Arvidsson's week to week, I believe. As is mm -hmm. Mikey Anderson. I think yeah. I don't know who I was reading or someone said middle of March for Arvidsson. Sure, <laughs> which would be fine, I guess. Well, that's oh, from the standpoint of LTIR, yes, right, because he would have to be off of the roster for thirty days, and so if they put him on LTIR, I think that carries him to minimum to mid March. Right, but I and also think like Mayor, I believe, said like that's 
actually the correct timeline of his return. Sure. I think that's notable because they thus far deliberately have not put Mikey on LTIR. So they're anticipating that he would be back sooner than that. Right? Grundstrom's on LTIR because they don't anticipate. I mean, it's obviously been long enough now. So take that for what it means. But uh, at the very least, they feel like Mikey's going to come back in a sooner time frame than putting him on LTIR would justify. Um, and that does free up salary. And that does create the potential to do Vegas, Tampa Bay-like things, <laughs> if need be, and carry this roster with the LTIR space straight up to the playoffs where the cap just disappears. Um, well, that's the thing. These guys would have to be out until game one of the playoffs correct, for that to work correct. because they have to be cap compliant the second correct. they're activated. Correct. Maybe they LTIR yeah. Mikey like in March. Uh, I don't know if you can retroactively do it. Well, I it think... wouldn't be retroactive though, would it? Well, I guess not. If he's on, if he's on regular IR, I suppose that's possible. I, I think you could just LTIR him whenever. And get the cap uh, yes. release. Yes. I, I guess what I'm saying is if they LTIR him, then he would still have to be out for a total of for for a total of 30 days from I, I, the, I think it's from the moment he went on regular IR. So if they LTIR him, then that basically Well, no, you're right. Can... Why wouldn't they just LTIR him now? That's what I'm saying. It makes so no they anticipate right, right, right. Right, so that they're anticipating that he's going to come back sooner than the 30 days he would yeah, have to be out yeah, of the yeah, roster. Yeah. That makes sense. So, because yeah. it, there's no benefit in waiting to LTIR. Correct. Him. Correct. You're now. not accruing cap space right, by having right, him right. on LTIR <clears throat> or anything. Um, again, all of this is, is just... It's stuff, and I'm sure it's being considered, and I'm sure... If they're already looking at Kempe's injury as one that's going to carry him until the playoffs, it's creating a really, really worrisome scenario <laughs> in multiple ways. One, which is what you and I talked about, which is, okay, fine, you put Kempe on LTIR. Is this team even good enough without Kempe, without Arvidsson to get to the playoffs so that you can reactivate them? Two, now you've got the cap space created by these guys going on LTIR. Does a desperate GM make a desperate move to bring in a guy in the hopes that he's going to replace the production of Kempe and Arvidsson until they can make it to the playoffs? And does that kind of move actually do anything to get this team to the point where they're successful in the playoffs and it means anything? Or is it just throwing away of of more assets for a Whatever guy Whatever it is, man, it's got to be yeah. a, it can't be high high-end assets. No matter what you do, I don't think you could do that. You can't throw a so you first wouldn't, you wouldn't, for a rental. Yeah. You, like, you right. can't do that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But again, would a desperate GM who doesn't care, <laughs> who's already who's already invested so much? I mean, <laughs> like, let's say, like, to Foley, right? If Kempe's right. out till game one of the playoffs, yeah. and you yeah. go out and get to Foley, mm -hmm. you can't resign him next season. I think you're fully aware of that. Yes. So not without giving up someone else. Maybe more than yes, one person. Yes, and I just don't see him getting anything less than a first round pick. 
Probably in this market. He's, yeah. He's having a terrific season. Is he not? Yeah. Like he's him? 30 goals. I think yeah. he's on pace for 30 goals again. So, so someone's going to give a first for him. Oh, easily. You can't. Easily. So, yeah, it's, I just feel like it's going to be minor additions. I don't know if you could, given everything we've just talked about and, and the money and the availability, like if you can get on, it comes down to this man, upgrade England. And then just that let would it be, be your, that yeah. would be your, your go to. Let it be upgrade them. Someone who's dependable, someone who's not going to get caved in five on five. Mm-hmm. Maybe even someone you could play in all situations. Not a power play, obviously. LD3s don't really do that, but just get a guy, yeah. upgrade him, and, and just be like, whatever. <laughs> let's let's see what happens here. Because it won't cost you a first, in theory. No, but I think they also kind of look at it from the standpoint of defenseman is the one position that they seem to have a, a glut of. They have more at than. At least on the low, right. At least, especially on that lower pairing. Especially if uh, Mikey's going to be back by mid-December, then you're back to your usual Spence, England, Clark, Triumvirate for that last pairing. I I just I've never gotten the sense that they feel like they need to upgrade England. I feel like they need to upgrade England. You do, but I get the sense that they're pretty comfortable with that guy being their bottom pairing left defense when everything else is healthy. I think Maybe if they're so. going to make any kind of move, I think it's going to be on the forward level of things. And the injuries are are pushing them even more so to make that move. Yeah, I think that's logical. If 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 Kempe's out, yeah. You need someone to be able to play a top 6 role. What a terrible injury, man. It is. Leading scorer. I mean just it's just not sound... nothing on nothing. Yeah. On on 20 play. seconds left in the game, just a dumb, random thing. You see multi, you see hundreds of falls like that during a hockey game. Just dumb landing. Didn't even get his knee rolled up. I thought he got his ankle rolled up or something when I first saw it, but it actually his legs kick out just fine, and he lands on his arm. Just dumb as shit. Yeah, and they were already <laughs> down 4-2 at the time. Yeah, like <laughs> they had yeah. an empty net with an in-zone face-off. Just a dumb, stupid play. Uh, Lieb had a question. Oh, okay. The buddy, Lieb mentor. Assuming there is 500 hockey played to the next week, what would be your mindset as GM heading into the deadline? Buy, hold, sell free agents, sell more. Realistically sell more or optimistic? Than... Or, or like... I think he's he, what he's saying is if it's 500 hockey... Mm-hmm. To, I'm going to put the, myself in the in the shoes the of not week, Rob yeah. Blake, but like as a real NHL GM. Okay, let's assume hypothetically I'm an NHL GM and I'm not worried about losing my job in the offseason. Um, if they're playing 500 hockey and the rest of the teams are kind of still going the way they're going, I think there's still a possibility of them making the playoffs. And if that's the case... I think you try to add what you can without blowing the bank. Honestly, I think if it if it cost me a first round pick, I wouldn't do it. 
Um, I think if it costs me like a second and a mid-level prospect, hypothetically, let's say a second to kill Thomas, even maybe second in Kaliev, because obviously at this point, for whatever reason, Kaliev's kind of fallen out of favor. That maybe I make that kind of play because I'm trying to give the guys some incentive to like, come on, keep it together. Let's do something. Let's see what happens. Come playoff time. Yeah. I don't think you sell off. I think the idea of trading Roy and doing all these things while on paper, if I was a machine, if I was some sort of an AI <laughs> system, that would be what I would be probably logically to do. Realistically, no one does that. And then I think you just figure out the rest in the summer. You? So again, just to clarify, Lieb is asking what I would do. Yeah. If given the way I feel about this team, I would trade Matt Roy at the deadline. Mm. If Sean Walker is getting a first round pick, which has been mentioned. Yes. I would get a first round pick for Matt Roy. I would play Spence and Clark on the right side, down the stretch, figure it out as fast as you can. That's what I would do. Not bad. It's, you it's, can't sign again. Him. Yeah. And I think logically... Is Matt Roy going to be the difference between this team winning or losing anything significant in the postseason? I just think all the way healthy with Matt Roy, this team is not going to win the Stanley Cup. Right. So if that's not going to happen in my mind, if I, as a GM, feel I'm training him for a first round because that gives me one more bullet in my holster for right. the summer. And that's all right. I'm focusing on is right. what do we need to clean up here? Yeah. We, we were tight against the cap all season. We couldn't. You know, our roster was short most of the season. Let's figure it out. Let's get a first rounder. Let's open up some cap space for the summer. Well, I mean, you would no, have that that's... anyway. You, you would have that anyway, but to get a first round for it. Sure. First rounder for it. That's what yeah, I would do. I, I, it's, not, it's not a bad move. And I think logically, that's the sound move to make. I think history would prove that that would be the correct move for you. And honestly, probably for Matt Roy, too, because you'd probably trade him to a contender and give him a much better shot of, like, actually maybe winning a cup, you know? Um, the only downside, I think, is the effect that has on the rest of your locker room when you move a guy like that, given the position that the team is in right now. Fair. But... Fair. But... The locker room to be damned. Has the locker room responded enough to the yeah, last guy you, I had to kick out? Yeah. Some would say yes, but I just, my, again, you, as a GM, I would be closer to the situation. So I would hopefully have my finger on the pulse of everything. But mm -hmm. from my bird's eye view of everything, something is off. Something's not mm -hmm. working. It hasn't worked since the Kings started losing and started that losing stretch. They have, to me, have not completely recovered from that to this day. They won some games, great, but it's still something isn't right. So if this is a first round and out team or even a second out, I'm trading, I'm getting my first rounder and I'm fixing what's broken in the summer as best as I can. I, I don't but, think that's very unreasonable at all. Yeah. Should we talk about some of the guys we do have? I mean, <laughs> sure. Kevin's been looking good. 
Kevin has been looking good, man. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. These last four or five games, he's he looks like the guy from last season. Mm-hmm. And I have no qualms about saying he has not looked like that all season, even though he was getting his points. Right. The the little things he's doing, the confidence he's playing with in the last five, the little plays he's making with the puck have not been there until now. And it's because his wife is pregnant. <laughs> Apparently. Have we confirmed this? <laughs> yeah, his wife posted that she's pregnant. Oh, no kidding. I missed that. Yeah. Well, congratulations, guy. He did too. Like He's like, I can't wait to be a dad. All this stuff. Oh, so. Kev. I thought that was just that was just rumors and hearsay. No, it's real. Wow. That one poster uh, at Sky actually post tweeted in October that I Fiala doesn't look right. I bet you his wife is pregnant. <laughs> he was right. He wins the Sky internet knows. for one day. Sky. Sky knows. <laughs> um but yeah he's looked oh, good man. man. He's he's shooting he's shooting real well. Like he had what three power play goals almost the same way from the same yep. spot. That'll help your power play. I think the Kings power play is in the top ten now all of a sudden. Because they got hot. Go figure. Yeah, Go and figure. now they can't score a goddamn goal five on five. <laughs> they had one today. They had one today, and they had, I think they had both in Edmonton. So Right. Kevin's a great play, by the way. That was... We haven't seen Fiala on, on Kopitar's wing hardly ever for reasons that we don't fully know or understand. My theory is that I don't think Kopitar actually likes playing with Fiala. Puck dominance, right? I think that's probably yeah, what it comes not not as like a person, but I just think that like their game doesn't mesh well. I think yeah. Kopi just does better with straight line guys, and Kevin is about as corkscrewy as you can get. Um, I think well, you know what else it is. I think Kopitar likes touches. Like I yeah. think he he likes to play with guys that will do little give and goes or short passes to each other to open up. And I think Fiala is just like give me the puck, right. And get your ass open or do something. I don't know. But that was that was a tremendous play. Yeah. The tremendous entry, good support, you know, layers. And is I mean, that's what you want your first line to do. Um, Dino had a great goal. Didn't know honestly, Phil, I didn't know you had that in you. <laughs> I mean, that was a last time oh, I oh, seen oh. him do that was like the bubble cup final. Right. Against Tampa when he clapped one from the from right. that side. I'll be honest, when I watched that, I was kind of watching side eye because I was doing something. And I, I saw the slapper and I saw uh, I only saw one of the digits on his back and I saw the four. And when the goal went in, I went, There you go, Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Cause I was like, Who else who else with a four on his back <laughs> would skate down that way and, and take a clap bomb into the top corner? So not Mike Maybe Anderson. that's my wishful. Th- that, no, that's definitely he's he's out. So logically, multiple <laughs> reasons his, why it's not Mike right. It's a multi-layered answer. Um, yeah, and I thought honestly, I thought Artie had been playing well the last few games, and I thought maybe he he felt a little froggy there for a minute yeah. and and did something. <laughs> but uh, nice to see Trevor Moore game. get a goal. Nice to see Phil Deneau get a goal. Need those guys to get on the board. The offense has dried up yep. something fierce for yep. everybody. It's it's crazy that Trevor Moore takes a, a shot from the slot and it goes in, and it's not some weird 
baseline freaking shot that he goal line angle, he, impossible angle, rockstar I mean, zone. Yeah, Rockstar Zone, exactly. <laughs> Shout out Heat Daddy. But like I, I look, I get it. He scored a lot of goals from weird angles and kinda developed this reputation for quick hands and but man, even tonight he was taking some shots. He he took like this power play shot that I was like, What are you doing, man? What are you doing? And of course, it's like if you miss the net on a shot like that, it is just out like a rocket yeah. like it's just off the boards and it is straight out you know like so i don't, trying to, I don't you know what he's trying he's trying to score like by the goalie's ears a lot you notice that right. like he got right. a couple like that like snuck it by someone's ear or whatever and the last 10 games or whatever he's just shooting at the heads of goaltenders right and i think he even got one high on markstrom today and markstrom just headbutted it away I mean, yeah. not for nothing. Marstrom's like eight feet tall, so yeah. So he's gonna <laughs> he's miss the net. Pretty, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're missing the net, Trevor. Yeah. You're not I, shooting the score. I here. wish, I wish he would just try to get more slot one timer opportunities or slot shot opportunities where he's gonna get more net to shoot at instead of trying to do these off the rush or off angle. Yeah, he strikes me things. as a wrist shot guy. You know, he is. He very or snap not, at the very. A, yeah, yeah, he's not a one timer big clap bomb type guy right but you don't have to be you don't have to be i mean like clearly again, not he's not nathan well the, but my, my point is like you can look at a guy like nathan mckinnon or whatever like he's a hell of a shooter with a very quick release but they're all wrist shots he just finds a way to get into the slot when he releases and i think that that would be beneficial to moore's game as well if he found more ways to get to the center of the ice instead of trying to do everything off of the rush at these weird angles, you know? Yeah, just put him with Byfield, apparently. That's, that's all it takes. He's the remedy to all situations. That's, your nickname is The know, Remedy. The Remedy. I don't mind it. He, there's nothing else to say about Byfield. I mean, he's, he's just been stellar this season. It makes he me has. so excited to see what he's going to become because there's still moments where I'm like, you can do more here. I know yeah. you can do more here. It's so, I think I told you this, but it's so similar to the way Velarde broke out last season. You did. Where, and I cried when you said that. <laughs> when it was, you know, it was just like game one, you could tell, okay, this isn't the same guy from last season. Actually, when mm -hmm. Byfield's case, I think maybe took three games or four games, but whatever the case, first week, you could tell, like, okay, this is not the same guy. Almost as if during the summer, something clicked in their brain and they're like, I make hockey too hard. It's way mm -hmm. easier than it is in my head. So I'm just going right. to play that way. Right. And that's what he's playing like, man. He's on he's on pace for like, I don't know, 68, 70 at this point. Elite prospect he really has that. Um, but yeah, similar see. breakout. Very similar breakout to Velarde, who's also currently cooking, by the way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm well aware. I, I'm... I like to punish myself and watch Gabe Velarde highlights. Still, I can't help it. It's all time. over. My, it's all over my Twitter. What am I supposed yeah. to do? Not look? Yeah, <laughs> not look at great goals. <laughs> it's not me. I can't do that. Uh, yeah, Byfield's got forty three and fifty five with a plus fifteen. Okay, so, so he's easily. he's actually on pace for sixty three. Yeah, yeah. He has forty four and fifty six. He's projected to play eighty games, twenty six goals, thirty seven assists, sixty three points. 
And if you remember in our season preview, we kind of said, wouldn't that be great if he had, if him and Kaliev had like, yeah, had 40, 50 point seasons. Artie, maybe not so much. Artie's not going to hit those numbers. Artie's Artie might hit those numbers on a different team come March 8th. I don't know. I'm not going to be happy about that, but that's, that's a different conversation. Um, Shall we do the PL check-in? Sure. This guy, man. I I have no idea what to do with him anymore. I, I like, <laughs> I again, really... I don't want... You know, sometimes the evil guy comes on my shoulder yeah. and says, go on your podcast and say, I told you so. <laughs> go on your podcast and play the clips... When the trade was rumored and play the clips after the trade. And then there's the other good person on my other shoulder. That says, no, 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 you're better than not, that. You're better than that. Analyze the, the trades game. Trades happen. <laughs> like, find the positives. And listen, right. there have been in this stretch. Dubois and Byfield for like a four or five game stretch. Hooking up a storm. Looked good. He looked engaged. God, I hate that word. I am so sick of that word engaged, by the way, because that's all it's all over the place when it comes to Dubois. Anytime he has a good game, someone's tweets, Dubois looks engaged today. So I'm mad at myself for using it. I understand why people use it because, as we said in episode whatever it was, when it was rumored that the Kings were trying to get this guy for a package that include, included Gabe Flaherty. Some days he's going to make you feel real good. And then the, the rest of the time, you're just going to pull your hair out at this guy mm -hmm. about why he can't string together 10. We're going for 10, PL. 10 consecutive games of consistent play. Mm -hmm. 10 has not happened this season. I assure you, there's been fives, there's been sixes. Not once has this guy put 10 games together. In a row where you're like, good game, buddy. Good effort out there. He comes at the Edmonton game, coming off four or five games where he was real good, man. Real good on the on the walls, making good the plays. The last Edmonton game or the first Edmonton game? Because it's been a while. The 4-2 No, he was great the in the first in the In the first, in the first one. Yeah, because I was yes. going to say, in the first one, he was really good. He was terrific. Let's say he's been good the whole time under Jim Hiller. Up until the Edmonton game where they lost, where he mm -hmm. was abysmal in his decision making, in his effort, in his, I don't know, uh, the whole idea that <laughs> the whole idea that we're going to have Kopitard to know and Dubois down the middle to combat the Oilers, that theory took a giant shit in the middle of Rogers place or whatever the hell that arena is called because he was, he looked like a bottom six player. That's how he played. He was no different than Blake Lazat or whoever the hell was playing that game. That can't happen, man. Not against that team. When the selling point is, this is the team we brought you in for. They didn't, no one said that, but I think we all understand. Yeah. Yeah. It was, this, it was a center depth thing to combat the Oilers, to com combat the golden Knights, whatever. To play like that against that team after putting together so many good games right. is disheartening. And then today, 
he was even worse. Or he just was as really bad. bad today. He was like, really bad today. I mean, he wasn't great against Nashville, but the whole team sucked against Nashville. But today was awful. Today was just one of those games where I'm like, man, you are you are sleepwalking out there. Like there's board plays and he's doing these weird flybys. He's kind of like, you know, the puck is, it's like a left-handed shot instead of trying to like pin against the boards and, and come from the guy's right side so he can actually make a play. He's trying to round around him and then the guy's just got an open lane to get away. It just, just kept Cole, taking the second goal. The Coleman goal. Oh my like, dude, God. like he's in the right position, but just, but on the but wrong side, even if it's <laughs> like, Dude, if you're here's my problem, wrong side or not, you're right. He was on the wrong side. You're correct. But you're you're a monster of a man. Right. How is Blake Coleman getting inside position on you? Even if you're on the wrong side, like for like push him. Like he's right. just kind of doing this parallel stick, stick thing and just like you know, I got a stick, boys. Everything's okay. Like, man, so frustrating. And then the turnover against Edmonton. Oh, just was disastrous. I mean, he makes the right play in like he's trying to shield the puck, but the the play he makes, like we shit on Fiala for like that's just as bad right. in that area with right. those guys on the ice. You right. got no play, man. Eat it. Again, you're a tree. Eat the puck on the boards until you have a play, or <laughs> at least you pop it into the most dangerous area of the ice in a period where the Kings are dominating, by the way. Sorry. Right. The no, Kings no, please, dominated the Oilers in the first period. The Oilers had nothing. The Kings had were flying. They had the puck most of the time. Airtight defense. Three minutes left or whatever it was in the period. You're getting out of this period on the road against this team. Just eat the puck on the boards. At least don't pop it into the middle of the ice, the most dangerous frigging guys in the league. Anyway, go on. My biggest problem is the reaction or lack thereof when he has these mistakes. As a human being, if you make a mistake, typically your response when you're a professional is you come out the next chance you get and you try to overcompensate. You, you go a little harder, you, you know, the effort. It, that's the most frustrating thing to me is not only is he loafing sometimes for no particular reason. You can't even be like, man, he had a bad game yesterday. He's trying. It's not working out here. Like you said, he'll go on these runs where he'll have four great games. He'll put these, excuse me, these power play goals in, and you're like, here we go. He's feeling it. He's excited. And then all of a sudden, he'll come around and make a terrible play and then the next shift just make an even have an even worse shift that's make the thing with this guy play. that's so weird dude like once he makes these he's done like once he makes these mistakes forget it so to your point of course is what i'm saying like and i tweeted this and, and i think it's true you could tell what kind of game he's gonna have from his first shift you watch his first shift every game and you're like, that's who we're going to get. Right. Nothing higher, nothing lower. Right. And when his first shift is, I don't know, he's meandering around the ice or whatever, 
that's what you're gonna get. And like you get, right. I today I got a sick feeling in my stomach after his first show. I'm like, he's not here because he doesn't have that ability to be like, okay, I just had seven bad shifts, right. but my next seven are gonna be exceptional. Right. Just not that type of guy. You just this is what what you're getting today. It's very frustrating. And that's incredibly difficult for a coaching staff to deal with because you've been saddled with this guy. I mean, we've talked about this to the point of exhaustion at this point. Like, you are stuck with this dude. You are stuck with this contract. You are stuck with this guy in your roster. Again, yes, granted some extreme possibilities are out there of how you could not have him on your roster, but... It's a hard pill I, to swallow. It is. It's very hard, man. It's very, very hard. It's hard to have him on the team. It's hard to imagine how you can get him off of the team. I I don't know how you fix that. And as a as I can't even imagine being in the position as a coach where you're doing everything you can. I mean, they they came up with you know these like special scoring systems for him and demerits and stickers and whatever you want to call them. And it's like. Dude, really? Like, how far backwards are we going to bend to accommodate this guy? To accommodate the, the... I mean, we've already did it to accommodate him on the roster. We did it to accommodate him on the cap. Now we're doing it to accommodate him mid-game. We moved him up and down the lineup. We put him at center. We put him at wing. We've got him on the power play. I mean, what else can you do with this player? We've many times defended him and his line mate situation and all that stuff. Um, and I feel like when he has a byfield on his wing, he plays better. There's no doubt about it. But, but we're now, whatever, we're in February, we're going into March. When there will be games where those guys aren't available to you, and as an $8.5 million player, you can't just, that, that doesn't fly. Like, it can't fly forever. That's the thing. I understand that, and we agreed, that he needs better line mates because he's making good plays and, and his numbers would go up. But when the team is this hampered with injuries, right? like, this is not a... Like, this is not a choice. We There are no wingers for you to play with, but, like, there, this is where we're at right now. Dude, you're going to be the highest paid forward next season on this yeah, roster. by a lot. By you can't way. be sitting there in a in a situation like this when the team is looking for offense, for some sort of consistency, and play that kind of game. The salary you command, the position that you play, the way that you came into this into this team you have to step up. There's, there's no two ways about it. His turnover and his poor defensive play today, nothing to do with line mates. Those nothing. are individual those are errors. Individual. I don't give a shit who you're playing 100%. With. That's an effort well, thing. Those, hey, are, those, are, those are 100% poor effort. Lack of giving a shit. And that's... And that's Again, that's not new. This is not news. This is not, you know, like you can use every excuse in the book as to why this was happening. And again, I'm going to fall into this trap. Just like you said, you're getting exactly what you thought 
you were getting. Actually, I take that back. You're getting exactly what we knew he was, but you thought he was not that. And it's just another reason why this season is going so disastrously. Like the bad karma leads to bad karma, leads to bad play, leads to coaching changes, leads to, you know, oh, now we got injuries. And it's like, ugh, I'm just tired, man. I'm so tired. This has been such an exhausting season. Like some people are commenting, you guys sound like you're ready to give up. I am ready, dude. I'm I'm just I I I cuz the here's the problem man this isn't like a board game right you, you can have you, can, you can't play like a bad board gaming odds oh, all right we're going to start fresh next time this carries over into next season this all of this carries over into the summer all the roster the changes you know this is shaping up to be a, a freaking nuclear summer if it keeps going this way You're still dealing with questions of do you keep Arvidsson? Do you keep Roy? You might you might have a completely new GM who has a completely different outlook on that stuff. Including other guys who are on your roster that he feels like aren't helping this team. So what happens between now and March 8th may seem like nothing compared to what might happen from May to July. I just don't know. I don't think you're off base or anything. I just don't know what you can do. Like you're locked into so much shit. Like you're locked yeah. into Dubois, barring think, a buyout, right? Which would be just as disastrous as keeping him, probably. Again, I think it depends on who's who's running the show. I think if you have a new GM who comes in and looks at this and goes, "These were mistakes." They were not my mistakes. They were someone else's mistakes. So now I have to correct them as best as I can. Then I think a lot of options go on the table. A lot of things that maybe we don't like, but I think a lot of options go back on the table in that scenario. It's tough, man. Like a part of me also still believes he's better than this. He is better because than I've this. because I've seen it, and I'm not talking about in a Kings uniform. I've seen him, yeah, be a point of game player. I've seen him be a true borderline first line center. Like it's all there, but this on and off, and I'm here some days. I don't know about other days, and I'll give you this effort today, but no guarantees. Some like it's it's exhausting right. and it's frustrating, right? And because of that just by virtue of him existing on your roster, you're going to have to have good players leave this team because you don't have the flexibility because you have to keep them. You gave him a no-move clause that kicks in in a few months, by the way. Right. Just, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to be... I We defended him so much. <clears throat> it's like... This is how maddening this player is. Like, we hated the trade. We lamented the trade, pouted about the trade until October. Once October started, we kind of agreed that, okay, this is what it is. We criticized his deployment. We criticized his line mates. At this point, with the where this team is, you're in a wild card spot. 
you got big guys out, important players injured, offensive players injured. Like it's just you got to do something now. So <sighs> yeah, it ain't great. It ain't great. Yeah, it's not. These last two games really, man. Like I oh, they they took it out of me, man. They really took it out of me. And and listen, I know they're banged up. I understand. Like I understand that, but these the lack of effort, like things like that are really frustrating. Right. Yeah. And I'm not yeah, getting much sleep as it is. <laughs> I don't need this right now. That's right. Well, I don't know if it gets any easier, man, because we we see Vancouver for the first time in a couple of days. Yeah, no, it's not. I fully expect this to be an 0-3 road trip. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. And I, I I wasn't I certainly wasn't excited about playing Vancouver, but that was a, a game that I've had circled for a while now because I really wanted to like see how they matched up. Like a measuring a stick game? Yeah, a little bit. But now with with this banged up roster and how they're playing and everything, I mean, I'm just that could that could end up being another like seven zero loss, if I'm being honest. And it wouldn't shock me one bit. And Vancouver hasn't re- exactly been tearing it up lately. I think they're like four, four, four and five yeah. in their last ten, whatever. And again, five that's and that's going to happen. That's going to happen. But like they like, lost to Seattle. Yeah, I, I think that's going to happen through the ebbs and flows of a long season, especially if you know that you're pretty well ahead in the standings. Sure, but let's hope I we think catch playing, them on one of those days. Maybe, but I think playing them at home. Kings coming in limping. <laughs> like Brother, they the are. bigger the bigger issue is we play them three times. I know. I know. So you so you could sl- they could slip on a banana peel once. Right. It ain't and gonna happen slip three, times. three times. I think it's four times, isn't it? From now until the end of the season. Uh let's see. One, two, three. You're right. Four times. Yep. Four times. Yep. So we play them on Thursday. Then March 3rd, we played New Jersey. And then March 5th, we have Vancouver again at home. So this could be an ugly stretch of games here. And that'll lead you right up to the trade deadline. So between now and the trade deadline, they got Vancouver, New Jersey, Vancouver, Ottawa. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to New Jersey. (laughs) I mean, that wouldn't shock me at all. No. It's very... an afternoon so, game. Statistically speaking, are... it's it's very likely that in the NHL you get a split, right, against an opponent if you play them twice. That's just right. a likely. And outcome. an afternoon game. Yeah. Kings notoriously terrible in afternoon games. Twelve thirty at home. Up. That's yep. <laughs> yep. Gonna barely going to the mimosas are barely going to be out of their system before they get out on the ice. There. This could be an ugly stretch between now and March eighth. Ottawa honestly Ottawa's... seems like the most winnable game, but even that one, like I can't because they're actually starting to play a little bit more focused and organized under Jacques Martin now. I guess what yeah, I'm saying they, is they're they're not good. They, they, they're not good. I'm not saying they're good. Washington beat saying, them six to three. So look, say Ottawa they win. Yes. Okay. Which <laughs> go ahead. God, I hope they do. But yeah. New Jersey's not a not a walkover game. They could very easily 
drop. Stars, Islanders, Blues. Well, I'm trying to look right at the deadline here. Okay. Uh, heading up right to the deadline. And the so deadline with, is March before 8th, Before the believe. deadline. Okay, gotcha. Right. So, so losses against Edmonton, Calgary, potentially Vancouver, New Jersey, maybe Vancouver again. They could lose four to five games <laughs> leading up to the deadline. And that, again, they I think is going to make Rob Blake feel really, really desperate to do something to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, with the injuries, sure, they could lose all these right. games. And yep, I'm not happy about it. It's not gonna be great. What is there to be to... happy about? Nothing, nothing. I'm trying not to be like too. Not trying not to let it get to me. Yeah, yeah. Anything, Anything else, else? we want to add? Or no? I think I think we picked it apart pretty reasonably for. For a more broader look at things, rest of the league, uh, West, sure. about the same. the The good teams are still the good teams. the The uh, wild card stuff we kind of talked about already. Nashville is still in the hunt. Um, Calgary, we gave them a little bit of a boost today. Certainly, hopefully, um, Calgary just continues the path of selling up, selling right. off players because that's right. That'll be nice. I mean. Again, the Kings still have an inside track here. They still have a game in hand on Calgary and five points ahead. Nashville's got 60 uh, games played and 68 points. So the Kings and Nashville kind of have the inside track on the wild card here. Yeah. And the next would be, you know, then you're getting into the Blues, the Wild. Some but like you said, you got to pick here. up some points before the deadline. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to totally. look really, totally, totally, really bleak. Totally. Uh, out east, Florida. <laughs> Finally emerging as the team that I I thought they would be. Yep, you thought they would be. I was wrong. I was wrong. They're yep. They're playing real well. Yep. Eight um, and two in their last ten. Just humming along. I really man. didn't. Bobrovsky like just carrying his play from the playoffs. I think that was my biggest thing. Is like mm -hmm. the magic can't just like well you just picked it up. And then again, you could argue what well, you just lost it. This guy was a Vesna goaltender. Yeah. Right. So. Goalies are voodoo, man. Look at are. Thatcher Demko. It just doesn't make any damn sense. Look at Jonathan Quick. Jonathan <laughs> the guy's Quick? putting up. He's struggling. Having himself a hell of a season. Yeah. Still. He's been struggling. Great season. Just Serkin's been lights out. So Well, he should be. <laughs> he should be, right? Yeah. Uh, Philly. Um, doing things. Doing things. Making Detroit, up. dude. The Red Wings are cooking right now. Right. Winners of six straight, including a very dramatic overtime win with Patty Kane in Chicago. Like they're threatening Toronto for the third spot here. In Man, the Toronto is Toronto's another team, dude. Toronto is just like <laughs> I can never figure that team out. It's they're just really a team that perennially perennially should be better than they are. Like Morgan Riley gets suspended and they rattle off five in a row. Right. Austin Matthews on pace for 71 now, 72. I don't know. It's going to be something insane. He just scores yeah, seemingly every game. Uh, I want to see what the Kings goal differential has dropped to. Um, It is now uh, plus 18. Plus 18. Yeah. Not great. 
better than it was last year around this time, if you recall. Yes, I do recall. I do. Funny, Pittsburgh Penguins are a plus 16 and they're going to miss the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. Weird stuff in the in the East, man. Yeah. Weird stuff in the East. Okay. Where does that link us to? This was episode 115, friend. Yeah. We, number 15s are players. not easy. Yeah, of course. 25 players. I can think of like three off the top of my head. Okay. I'm not I'm not great with these with this game, as you know. The number 15 is a very like how many great number 15s have the Kings had? Not many. No, I wouldn't say so, no. Um, in fact, I would say probably the most obvious one is pretty obvious, which is which is sad, but um, okay, I'll start it off. Sure. Uh Joseph Stumple. That's that's the most obvious of obvious ones, I would say. Maybe. Daryl Evans. There you go. Um Pat Conacher. Yes. I feel like Stumple had it for a long time. Mm-hmm. 98 uh, to 2004. Yeah. I'm gonna say Jamie Lundmark. Yes. Um Ben Hutton. Yes. Um, why do I feel like there haven't been many recently? Uh, Ben Hutton was the last one. Okay, in so... 2020. That so that would be why. They must be retiring his number. They don't want anyone else to have it at this point. Understandable. Very understandable. <laughs> probably, I'm probably missing some. Oh, Chris which is Contos. weird because 15. Chris Contos. There you maybe. go. Nice. Nice. Can't make that mistake. That's right. Um. Honaker must have had it for like five seasons or something. Uh, let's see. Uh, 93 to 96. Three seasons. Mm-hmm. Can't really think of any other ones. We got a Stanley Cup winner. We do. Yes. That seems misleading. Did he play? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's make sure. You mean a Stanley Cup winner with the Kings? Yes. Okay, I'm just I'm just blanking on all these. Oh, Brad Richardson. Sorry, Brad. There you go. Sorry. I'm so sorry. You, you deserve better than that. That was um, that was the other one that I was that was like obvious yeah, to me. Those yeah, are the yeah. ones that like stood out in my mind. It just slipped my mind. Yeah. Honestly, I can't think of any other ones. Okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um so between Brad Richardson and Ben Hutton, uh, Andy Andrioff. The chosen one. The chosen one. According to the mayor, the one that was going to change everything. Culture shift with with the Andy Andy. <laughs> the Andy Andy era. Andy Andy. Okay. Um, ben Hunton, Andy Andrioff, Brad Richardson, Brady Murray. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and then Jamie Lundmark, which oddly enough, that was the other one that stuck in my head. I don't know why, but I just knew that Jamie Lundmark were 15 yeah, yeah. the Kings. I'm surprised I got uh, yeah, Jeff Cowan, Jeff um, Cowan. Ted Donato in 2002, Stumple, 98 to 2004. I believe the longest tenured 15. I don't see a longer one here on this list. Um, and then Modry for a season, Oh, I guess, was wearing Probably it. Probably his rookie call-up. Okay. Maybe, maybe. 
uh Pat Conacher, uh Randy Gillen, 92. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Tim Tookie in 1989, Chris Contos, who you mentioned, uh Dave Gans, Brian Erickson, 86 to 88. What's the Erickson? Uh, that was his legit nickname. Yeah, That's on. fantastic. Um, Billy Harris in 1984. Bobby Sheehan, 82. Bernie in 82. Daryl Evans, 82 to 85. I'm sorry, who in 82? Bernie Nichols? Bernie in 82, apparently. Maybe it was, again, hockey reference, as we've discovered, is not the most reliable sometimes with this. Um, Andre Saint Laurent from 1980, 1980 to 82. Danny Grant, 78 to 79. Jim Moxie, 1977. That kid's got some Moxie. Yeah. Uh, S- Steve Clippendale, <laughs> 1977. Clippendale's too easy, sorry. You know what? We have a challenger to Stumple's 15 crown. The crown of U-Haw longest? White. Y- U-Haw Whitey, Whitey. Whitey. <laughs> U-Haw Whitey. I'm 70. sorry, I forgot. 70. you. 70 to 77. Your great nickname, Whitey. <laughs> that was his nickname. Whitey Whiting. That's right. Yeah. Um, cool. And then the first 15 to ever wear a King's jersey. Chris Jericho Sr., my friend. Ted. <laughs> Ted Irvin. Ted Irvin. Break the walls down. That's right. That's right. So there you go. Those are the 15s. Again, I feel like it's the stump episode. <laughs> yeah. If you want, if you wanted to give it to Yuha Whiting because of the tenure, but um, when I think 15 in a King's jersey, I think yeah, Stumple is the first person that comes. All due respect to Daryl Evans. All due sure. respect and and the miracle, the- etc. The greatest 15 moment is Daryl Evans. Yes. Yes. Certainly. But. But. Yeah. I think of my first thought is Stumple. It was my first thought immediately. Brad yeah. Richardson obviously didn't come around till later in my head. So even though he's a Stanley Cup champion, respectfully. Yes. Big, res- big shouts to Butsy Erickson. But I think this is. <laughs> Sorry, Butsy and Whitey and all you other. <laughs> Mr. This is Stumpy's episode. Chris Jericho Sr. <laughs> this one's gonna go to Joseph Stumple. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with I that. It too. gives me these beautiful flashbacks to LAPD era, you know, yeah. goodness. 2001 playoffs. Well, not the LAPD era because he was in the yes, trade. But you know, the, but <laughs> yes. with Palfi involved and everything. Yeah, know. 2001 is my big. Yeah. that's where I think of. Yeah. 2001 playoffs back when we had poorly constructed teams that we had no expectations of and when they beat None. a juggernaut like Detroit it was like <laughs> and really when you think back at it so little understanding of, of how these teams I don't even think the GMs knew how to build teams at that time well, there was, was such no a different cap. era yeah, right there was the no cab yeah. the draft was random as hell i mean you look at those drafts back then man like you had you had top 10 picks floundering left and yeah, right like yeah. the hit just, rate was very low oh, it was terrible it was terrible. No further than the 03 draft where the kings had three first rounders and right. two of them were essentially busts right in a stacked first round <laughs> yeah i think that draft really was kind of 
oddly enough, where it turned around was around 03, 04, when they started like, you started seeing more consistently guys who were taken in the first round yes. actually 03 turn was into probably, who you yeah. thought they were going to be. Yeah. And I don't know what changed. <laughs> Maybe the yeah. internet changed things. I don't know. <laughs> but like Jamie Lundmark, for example, was, was like a, a high pick, he was. if I remember correctly. He was. And he, yeah, he was ninth overall in 99. Yeah. I mean, so something changed once Y2K came around and go. they learned how to draft, apparently. All right, man. Well, that, so was, that was good. Post, that was post deadline is, is going to be the next. I, I think that's probably best. I I don't feel the need to recap what will likely be two really bad Vancouver games. And I again, I get this sickening sense that a lot's going to happen on March 8th. Yeah. If you had asked me two weeks ago, if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would tell you the Kings are doing nothing significant, but a lot's happened in the last two weeks. And now I'm scared as to what's going to happen. Should be scared. I just, I think the repercussions of what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty big. Yeah. I think just to put a bow on it, just don't feel good. I just don't feel good about the team. I just don't. I just even don't feel if good they, about the season. It, yeah, it's even been... if they win, even if they win some games, and there's like, I just don't see it. I don't see this deep run. Right. Certainly, I think at best, at best, this is a second round exit team. The likelihood is that they're a first round exit team. I'm sorry to say it. It believe me, it hurts me. It caves my chest in, but I'm just trying to be objective. Yeah. Yeah. It's all you can do, man. All right. Thank you all. Appreciate you uh, listening in. Yeah. To the deadline we go. Appreciate the the ongoing Twitter interaction and the following growth that's that's kind of coming, which is great. Appreciate the questions always. Uh, like, subscribe, reviews are also very much appreciated. And we'll see this thing through through to the end. God, that was a tough sentence to get out. But there it is. Go Kings, go. <laughs> <laughs>